Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. It's time for your week daily look at the NBA and your Charlotte Hornets. It's time for the Hive O'Clock Alarm. Oh, that sounds amazing. How do you do, Hornets fans? This is the Hive O'Clock Alarm. I wish I had better news to report, but hopefully we can all come together and, and try to comfort one another somehow. The Hornets lose game two, 115-103 to in Miami. They go down 0-2 in the series. Kimba Walker, 29 points. Jefferson, 25 points down low, seven rebounds. But the Hornets, only one of 16 from beyond the arc. That doesn't sound anything like the Hornets that we got to know in the regular season. On the other side of the ball, Whiteside continued his hot, efficient shooting, 17 points, 13 rebounds, and Dwayne Wade going vintage all-star Dwayne Wade, 28 points, 8 assists, hitting some key ISO buckets at the end of the game. Uh, The the hot shooting for Miami continued 58% from the field to finish the game. They were 74% from the field in the first half, including uh, hitting a lot more threes than than people were used to seeing them hit. Uh, David, how much of this hot shooting on the part of the Miami Heat is on the Hornets' defense, and how much of it is just the Miami Heat going out there and knocking down tough shots? I think it's a little bit more on Miami, man. They're just hitting all the shots. I mean, you know, some of it has to do with defense and, and what you give them, of course, and the flow of the game. But to see Miami, a team that doesn't shoot the three well, go out and do that two games in a row. I mean, I, you know, good offense beats really good defense. Now, the defense hasn't been really good, but I don't know if that's the picture of either one of these teams, Doug. I mean, were you frustrated with the defense last night? No, I don't think frustrated is the right word because I think the defense itself was frustrated. They came out in this game and I thought applied more ball pressure, got to the point of attack somewhat better, at least early on in the game. They they tampered yeah. down the number of blitzes on the pick and rolls that they did above the break. They kept those blitzes coming on the side pick and roll, and I don't think that that worked necessarily. Uh, but again, Miami did a great job of finding the open guy off of those blitzes, and there were several opportunities that the Hornets had to execute that particular play, and and they didn't in some key moments. Uh, but, yeah, I think you know, I tweeted, I noticed that Kimball Walker was going under that Drajic pick and roll, and I said, yeah, that's the right move. You go under Drajic because he, he's not a three-point shooter necessarily. You go under that pick and roll until he hits it twice. And then probably immediately after I tweeted that, he hit two, and then he hit three. And then all of a sudden, Drozic's three of three from beyond the arc, and you go, okay, I don't know if this is uh, – unfortunately, I don't know if this is the Charlotte Hornets night in Miami. And I think back, you know, David, to all of the, all of those times in the season when the Hornets had a wide-open corner three, 
and you expected it to go in and it clanked off the rim and you were you were upset. It's like, how could you miss that? And then you look at these games and the Miami Heat have those same opportunities and are just hitting it time after time after time. And, you know, that can be frustrating to watch because you you, you want to think that basketball is is a comp like is a really complex game and that you you have full uh what do they call it um you have not control but you have full not advocacy is not the right word either but I'm close anyway but you have some uh agency that's the word you have some agency in the process you have some ability to influence the outcome and then sometimes a team comes in and just goes full NBA jam mode and 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 there's not a ton to do except hope that you can play a little better in the next game and that the Heat shoot more like they did in the second half where they shot 40% and 33% from beyond the arc. You hope they do that when they visit Charlotte. Yeah, and on the flip side, you mentioned it. One for 16 for the Hornets from three, and that's just not how they've won this year. I mean, more often than not, they're hitting – their outside shots are hitting the three-pointers. And when that part of the game goes away, look, they still scored 103 points, but you combine it with the other side when you let Miami, and not that they not that they didn't let Miami shoot whatever it is, 70%, upwards of 70%. But, you know, you'd hit one from 16 from three, and it's just going to be tough to mount anything when you've got the other team hitting uh, with such consistency. And again, Doug, nine assists, which – is less, which they had 11 in the first game, they had nine in the second game. We're going the wrong way with that. Yeah, and I think a lot of, so a lot of casual fans probably came into this game thinking, okay, the Hornets shoot threes, and then they see one of 16. And I think even fans that have followed the team are are confused. Uh, How could the team shoot one of 16? How could, you know, Marvin Williams play the way that Marvin Williams is playing? How could Frank Kaminsky uh, struggle to really get even a shot attempt. He finally got one shot attempt up in this one, but the, but that gives him one for for the first two games. How could this happen? And it's really, I really have to give it up to the Miami Heat because they came in with a game plan that look, we're going to do everything we can to make the Charlotte Hornets uncomfortable and to take them out of their game plan. Spolstra, they asked Spolstra after the game, "How are you taking away these three pointers?" And he said it's it's multiple efforts. It's it not just stopping them on their on their first you know pick and roll or first dribble handoff, but multiple efforts. And he also said that's probably it's very coy. Like of course he's not going to tell you his exact game plan in the post game, but he he sort of slyly says that's probably why they're you're seeing them drive past us. And that's just it. They're playing way up on the ball, and they're switching every Marvin Williams or Frank Kaminsky pick and roll. And David. How many times during the regular season did we see Frank Kaminsky and Marvin Williams get three-point opportunities off the pick and pop? It was it was it was yeah. nearly a majority of their their three-point attempts, right? So if you switch every pick and roll, you take away the pick and pop. I mean, that's the pick and pop comes from uh, 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 the the roll man's defender hedging and, and moving away from said role man who is Marvin Williams or Frank Kaminsky leaving them open for a three okay that's not open so I, you know I, I don't right. know what you really do other than what the Hornets did which is in the, in that in that instance uh, 
Kimba Walker has the quickness to move past his defender and get into the lane, or it leaves Al Jefferson open underneath. So the Hornets offensively are just taking advantage of what the Miami Heat are giving them. That's why you don't see the three-point attempts. That's why you see one of 16. Yeah. And, you know, Doug, we said that you couldn't give up 41 points in the first quarter. Mission accomplished. Unfortunately, 43 points in the second quarter has generally the same effect. And you feel like that's kind of where the game got away from, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, it's uh, a large part of that is uh, on Hassan Whiteside, who was 8 of 8 from the field in this one. I mean, he's having, you know, Shaquille O'Neal type efficiency numbers everything that he throws up he's close to the rim that helps but everything that he's throwing up uh, is is going at the rim or is going in and and Dwayne Wade it just had again just a vintage game hitting uh, shot after shot uh, getting one-on-one opportunities at the elbow with Courtney Lee and you know it's an iso situation there's no help for Courtney and they've just the Miami has a swagger. They have a confidence that that comes, I think, from having a team full of versatile guys. Like I think the Hornets are built to play a certain way, and if they don't play that way, it can take a lot of their confidence away. But Miami has a lot of two-way guys, a lot of versatile uh, players. And, and they can play a couple of different ways. And so that's why you're seeing them you know, have some of the success doing things that they haven't done all regular season because I just think that's the way their team is built. And the Hornets have not found a way up to this point to play the type of game they want to play. And they've obviously made a defensive adjustment. And, you know, I, I don't know, whether you think that that defensive adjustment worked or not, the, the, the Miami Heat are scoring a lot of points. That's all I'll say. We're going to talk more on tonight's show about what Steve Clifford had to say after the game. It was very interesting. We'll have the sound. We'll discuss that in in depth. But, you know, it it is a a lot of, like, results versus process. But the results are tough tough to swallow. Yeah. I'll just say, I think it's funny how how sensitive people get when (laughs) – when Steve, when the coach comes out and says, I know more about my team than you, which should be obvious. I mean, I get it on both sides. I, I look forward to hearing you guys break that down. But it's like, look, the guy just, you know, he's frustrated. And <laughs> there were adjustments made. Look, you know, not particularly talking about defense, but the points in the paint, the Hornets win that battle. Uh, the rebounds, uh, the Hornets win that battle. So there were, there were steps made in this game. It's just that the Heat are getting – everything looks easy for the Heat right now and nothing looks easy for the Hornets and certainly you know, defense has something to do with that but that's just the way this series is gone right now the thing the Hornets have to do Doug, they're coming back home they have to take advantage they have to be ready to play on Saturday because it's, it's it really is do or die time right now you get down 3-0 and it, nothing else matters really all right, we we haven't even mentioned the, the real loss in this game forget the score uh, Nick Batum Going down, uh, turning, really turned both of his ankles, but the one that they're concerned about, the left ankle that he originally hurt about a week and a half ago against Boston, that it is confirmed it's a left ankle sprain. And after the game, 
Steve Clifford saying he was very concerned about the ankle. Big Al Jefferson kind of letting it slip and saying, you know, he's no doctor, but he's been around the game a long time and he's seen what ankles look like when they when they may be okay and when they're not okay. And he said after the game that he didn't think that Nick Batum would be able to return to this series at all. And even though they have two days until their next game, these games are a little spread out, David. That's that's highly concerning, I think, not having Nick Batum, who is, as we've mentioned time after time, one of the few guys on this team that can go out and, and even though he struggled in this game, he can go out and get a shot and make it. Yeah, pretty crushing blow right there. And I think Al was right there when, when Nick went, went down, if I recall correctly. Um, he saw it and didn't think it looked good, and it certainly didn't look good, but that's a huge blow uh, to the Hornets. It seems like every time they get into the playoffs or get somewhere with meaning, something like that happens. Um, not to play, you know, Debbie Downer or woe is me, but that's just a tough one to swallow when it's going like that and you lose the guy that is so important for creation and everything else, especially at home. You were looking forward to looking forward to see him go. So I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see what happens, Doug. Well, well, let let me let me try to spin this, okay? If you'll bear with me, let me just try to spin this, okay? You, you've got Kimball Walker playing his A game. You've got Al Jefferson playing his A game, especially with what Miami's doing. It opens up Al Jefferson one-on-one opportunities with Hassan Whiteside, and he took full advantage uh, last night. Yeah. I mean, just doing vintage. anything he wanted to do. Yeah, vintage Al Jefferson, vintage Dwayne Wade. It was crazy, okay? So you've got that going on. So if that continues, offensively, you can sustain not having Nick Batum if those two continue to perform at the level they perform at. And I think, you know, this forces the Hornets to do something a little differently with their rotations. It gives, I think, the team an opportunity to go back to the drawing board. And I think, you know, when you take two losses like this, even if you fully believe in the game plan that was initially set out, I just think you have to at least entertain. And after the game, Clifford said that he would, you know, go back and look at the tape. And if if a change needed to be made, it would be made. But if Batum can't play for the rest of this series, then it forces the Hornets' hand. And we've seen teams and and players time after time step up in these kind of situations. Della Vadova, the, the the latest, the most recent example of that last year when when Kyrie Irving went down, Della Vadova became a star for the Cavaliers. So you know you hope that whoever ends up taking this opportunity, whether it be Troy Daniels or Jeremy Lamb or Spencer Hawes, to get into this rotation, that that they you know use it to the full advantage and play better than than most people will give them credit for. That's all you, that's all you can hope for. Yeah, and at least they're coming back home, right? So some of those guys may feel a little more comfortable in that scenario, but I kind of had the same thought as you, not that, you know, oh, it's okay, there's nothing to worry about, but it's almost like, yeah, they you know, it forces you to do something, take a look at somebody else, and maybe that's what you need. You, you got to change something up now, right? I mean, you can't wait too much longer. So whether or not it was forced or not, you're going to see some new faces. I think at least for extended minutes on the on the court. You, do you lean Lamb at this point? I mean, we haven't seen him that much. 
It's tough. It's tough, right? Because, I mean, uh-huh. Lamb, uh, at least Troy Daniels has – he was given a few minutes in game one. But Lamb – I was talking with a fellow at the Hive writer, Austin Peters, last night. And, and the thing with Lamb is he hurts you a little bit on both sides of the ball. And he's a little indecisive on offense and on defense. He can be inattentive. And and any anything yeah. that you do on the basketball court that starts with the prefix "in" it is usually bad and not something that Steve Clifford enjoys dealing with. So I I think that you could see some Troy Daniels early on, and that could you know he's a guy that doesn't need a lot of space, doesn't need a pick and pop, uh, can can move around easily on the court and, and get an open look from three. So that could. You know, unleash the floodgates, and we haven't talked about Marvin Williams, who uh, his confidence looks completely shook. Hopefully, two days off, you get back home, you get in a place that's more comfortable, bat rims that you're used to knocking down shots on. Maybe that helps Marvin Williams. There are, I think, st- this this series in my mind is not over. There are opportunities for the Hornets to to figure this thing out. They started to figure some things out, as you said, in the rebounding and other areas. I don't think this series is over. David, we'll close out. Do you think this series is over? No, that doesn't have the feeling like it did a few years ago, but they got to start hitting shots. I mean, that's the one thing you can take away, right? They really haven't hit. They haven't hit yet. So you, you put that in the mix with all the adjustments they've been making, and yeah, they're they're still in it, but it's got to happen. Yeah, man, I, I, really, I know we we need to wrap, but I, I think that's an interesting point and, and, and something I think that gets lost when we say, like when I say and you say the Hornets need to hit shots, it's not, I don't think we're necessarily saying the offense is playing poorly because it's not, but right. th- I think there's a confidence thing. I think the Hornets have fed defensively off their ability to make shots offensively and their identity is making shots and when you take away a team's identity you shake them I think in every facet of the game so and I think that's what Miami's game plan was let's make these guys play a different game than they played all season let's make them extremely uncomfortable we have the guys to do that and that's what I don't think they need more points I just think they need to see the ball go through the basket and 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 yeah. become more comfortable. Yeah, and last thing, Doug, they're still driving. They're getting they're shooting thirty three free throws last night, hitting almost eighty percent. So you know they're trying to manufacture those points. They, you're right. They just need to see a couple of those go in from long range, and maybe that will help the overall confidence and make a few more go in. But it feels like they're starting to gather things and build towards something. They just really need to to hit some outside shots. All right, we're going to talk more about this game in depth uh, on Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by ESPN 730 tonight, 6 o'clock p.m. Justin Thomas will be joining me. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. We'll have more information about who will be joining us. We've got some big guest announcements again. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I, I think the silver linings are there, folks. I think they are there. Keep the faith. All hail. The Teal and Purple.
With the holidays around the corner, now's your chance to save time and money at Safeway Stock Up Sale. Plus, earn four times gas reward points on participating items. Look for tags on items like Honey Nut Cheerios. Select varieties are four for eight dollars with your club card. And select varieties of Betty Crocker Cake Mix, Brownie Mix, or Frosting are ten for ten dollars with your club card. Maximum gas reward at participating Sunoco stations is twenty cents per gallon and one dollar per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill of up to twenty-five gallons. Other restrictions, limitations, and exclusions apply. For complete details, go to Safeway.com.